Mm-hmm. Are you doing the Welcome Back Hotter <laughs> song? Try- I'm trying to. Uh, I'm trying to. Well, welcome back indeed to this new episode welcome of back. Side Talks uh, starring uh, Gabe Kaplan. Yeah, and John Travolta. And John Travolta and I'll, probably I'll some other John, people. John Travolta probably at his best. Um, I'll be Gabe Kaplan. I'm kind of a nerdy teacher, so, yeah. you know, I'll yeah. take it. Well, John Travolta's IQ on that show is... That's embarrassing. So. Oh, Mr. Anyway. Goddard. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. oh, my God. Mr. Goddard. Uh, what a funny-looking gentleman he is. Old John? Yeah. I don't think he's particularly handsome, is he? Is he like a... He was Did pretty... people find him yeah, handsome? Yeah, I think they found him handsome when he was younger. Well, I mean, I'm obviously not talking about, you know, Scientology oh. nutbag, like, all over the place, Travolta. I'm talking about, like... Like Back young, in the day, Saturday young, Night Fever. Yeah. Did people Travolta. find him attractive? Then? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. They really did. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. What yeah. an interesting. I mean, I wasn't around for it, but right. I, I get the sense that yeah, he was. He's an interesting looking individual. I don't. It's just so strange to think of him as handsome. But okay. I I think he he's he is he is aged, and I say this with as much respect as I can, given the nature of this comment. He has aged into a very interesting looking person. Well, that's real. But anyway, haven't we all? <laughs> we're not here just to judge the looks of the menses. We're here to talk about movies, so let's get going. We do also judge the looks of them, though. Of course. Though. What's this shit? All right, throw it at you ready? me. I'm ready. You're going to try to guess it. I uh, actually watched this whole film in the background while I was cleaning. Okay, so um, it held your attention. It was not great. by choice. Okay. It was just oh, happened boy. to be in the background. Okay. All right. And so uh, there's a scene. This is probably this is a significant way of through the film, uh-huh. significant percentage through the film, and it's a big party at a house, a house party that's being thrown by a young woman while her parents are out of out for dinner or out of town or okay. something. And okay. I know this because the parents do show up. Uh-huh. So and there's people jumping in the pool. There's an entire, um, I think it's yeah, basketball team there. I think it's basketball. basketball. Team, okay. I think it's basketball, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, they're all there, and uh, they've just won a big championship, and they should not be out. They should not be out at this party. They have snuck out of the hotel for the that they're staying at for the tournament, and they are at this party unbeknownst to their leader. And um, one of the individuals at this party is the is, is the coach's son. Okay. And um, anyway, the parents, the the coach ends up realizing that they are not in the hotel. A cab driver tips them off to where they are. And the coach shows up at this home right at the same time as the parents show up. And it's like, it's a real bummer. Like they're having a real good time drinking, swimming, um, getting lucky. And the parents and the coach show up at the same time. And it is the cock block from hell. Can we get the dick jar out, please? Done. Uh, isn't that always the way? Yeah, it sucks. Um, hmm. Cut well, to the next scene where they're all on the bus the next morning and Coach goes, y'all are not going to like what we do at practice tomorrow. Boy. Uh, and if you don't know it from this, um, I mean, I can tell you the, uh, I could tell you the, the who plays the coach, but you're going to get it immediately when I tell you who plays the coach. So this is a basketball situation? I'm pretty sure. Now, I, I, like I said, it was in the background. It's been a few days, and I don't... I yeah, have but no if it's a basketball movie... I have no recollection of sports. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was, you know, it was it was sports ball. But yeah, I think it's basketball, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. So you want to guess it? Just take a guess. I've never seen the sort of big, like... Okay, first of all, before I yeah. proffer a guess... Yeah. 80s, 90s, more contemporary. What are we dealing with here? I don't actually know the answer to that, to okay. tell you the truth. But mm. it's not, I don't think we're stretching as far back as the 80s, no. 
So it's probably not Gene Hackman and Hoosiers. It's definitely not, no. Okay. Uh, I've never seen definitely that. Definitely not. Um, people tell tell me that's a good movie that I should see. Never seen it. Oh, I don't know any other movies with basketball teams so, in them. Really? That's yeah, interesting. I mean, I'm well, sure that whatever this is. Coach is played by Samuel L. Jackson. So it's Coach Carter. It's Coach Carter. Okay. Yeah, I saw this. I, I did see this. It is I didn't basketball, correct. Okay, yes. That's a basketball movie. Yeah, there you go. Um, okay, yeah. But I knew as soon as I said Samuel L. Jackson, you were going to get it. So. Yeah. So I, MTV I, Pictures. I, I guess this is why I have a vague memory of this, but I did only see this like once in 2006, probably, you know, half That sounds about right. Half it's asleep. real terrible. Um, real, real, real terrible. And I guess based on a true story about that, a, a yeah. coach that locked his team I guess locked them in the gym or out of the gym or I can't remember. Uh, one of those things. That's that's in the trailer for that movie, yeah. which played about 700,000 times at the end of 2005 when I was going to the movies a lot and saw that trailer all the time. Um, but yeah, other than that and whatever vague recollection I have of that movie, I, I couldn't tell you anything about it. It has every cliche that you can possibly imagine when it comes to sort of low performing high schools in it. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, I don't know how you feel about him, but I find everything Samuel L. Jackson is in to be at least watchable. Oh, I think I'm going to disagree with that. I bet if we got on Samuel L. Jackson's IMDb page, we would find a lot of shit that's not he's watchable. He's made a lot of bad movies, but I think... Are you saying he's the reason it's watchable? I mean, it's always going to be a little interesting when he shows up because he's Samuel L. Jackson. He's a magnetic screen presence. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, you got it, but... Mm. You know, I'm not that impressed. Sorry, okay. dude. Sorry, hey, dude. You know, I'll get him next time. Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker. Uh, uh, of, uh. <laughs> Man, that's weird. Man, that's weird. Here's some weird stuff for you. Well, it's, let's hear it. And actually, this isn't, now that I think about it, it's not super duper weird. It's a little more connective. Well, nah, nah, I'll take that back. There's there's at least one weird thing Okay, here. okay. And we were talking last, couple episodes ago, but last time we recorded, right, about mm-hmm. Adrian Lyon yep. and Adrian Lyon's films. And uh, I'm a big fan of the camp that Adrian Lyon likes to bring to the screen. And so I thought we'd focus just for a little bit on the 1987 film Fatal Attraction. Hey, I love Fatal Attraction, even though it's repellent. Yes, yeah, very <laughs> repellent. And I need you to know that Glenn Close still has the knife, prop knife that she used from that film, and it is hanging up in her kitchen. Good for her. So she's very proud of that fact. But she should be. Here's what's that's not super weird. I mean, if you starred in Fatal Attraction and had the knife prop from the film, you might hang that up in your kitchen yeah. and be very proud of it. I mean, if it. I were Jack Nicholson, I'd have an axe like over my mantle of course like you are a freaking icon sure so just display yeah. that own shit it. right own it i'd have i'd have a little bunny rabbit there too but here's where it gets weird okay kirsty alley uh-huh was originally considered under well she was in consideration and pretty serious consideration to play the lead role that's that went to glenn close of alex right the the temptress the uh the individual that michael uh, douglas cheats on uh, his wife with, and so she was going to play that role, which that alone is odd. I but, hate that casting. I mean, it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. My guess is, would this have been around the time that she would have had been really popular on Cheers? Yes. <clears throat> so that must be what it is. So Shelley Long leaves Cheers, and Kirstie Alley takes over. Yeah, right Shelley Long leaves time. Cheers, thinking she's going to have a very big career ahead of her. What do you mean, thinking that she w- mm, she did right? Troop Beverly Hills mm, is one of the biggest movies ever made. Mm, 
and Kirstie Alley comes in. And um, anyway, so <laughs> this would have been the time when, and people, I mean, people really, really thought Kirstie Alley was uh, highly attractive. I just want you to know that. And, sure. And very compelling person and an actor. Um, and for a while, for a while there, I would argue she was, you know, a fun comic presence. In I movies. think she is a fun comic presence. I think she. I don't know that she should play Alex in Fatal Attraction. No. But. Anyway, we're, our opinion doesn't matter. She didn't end up in the film, but what she did do, and her contribution to the film was this, that she provided a tape of a woman who had been stalking her husband and just hanging there, Parker Stevenson, her husband, Parker Stevenson. What? Some woman had been stalking him, and in this tape that Kirstie Alley had of him, uh, had of this woman who's stalking her husband, um, this woman is begging, begging Parker Stevens, uh, Stevenson to, be part, to become part of his life. And to be a yes, so she turns us over. Well, guess what? The woman's words were used verbatim in the script for Fatal Attraction. Uh Ouch! Yeah. Um, Well, it has you know the ring of truth, I suppose. (laughs) I mean, the verisimilitude that hurts. Do you want to take a guess at at one of the other two actors that were that tried out for the role of Alex? I don't think you're going to get them. They're a little out there. Um, Do so you know? 87. Yeah. Uh, Andy McDowell. Uh, possibly, even though, I mean, that would be a really funny connection because, because as we of know, the Glenn Greystoke Close, situation. Yeah, because, you know, she her accent in, in Grace, Greystoke? Greystoke, uh, something, The Adventures of Tar. I don't remember the what the subtitle movie. is. The Tarzan movie, that, Greystoke. Sh- that her performance and her accent were so bad that they brought in the scab, Glenn Close, to, um, <laughs> to read to her, to her lips, which is something, by the way, that is really off limits for actors to do. Um, but Glenn Close has no cares in the world about that. No. You're going to love this. Okay. Gilda Radner. What? What? Isn't that the weirdest <laughs> shit you've ever heard? Are you serious? Yes. She auditioned for the role and clearly didn't get it. What a, what a weird turn that would have been. I could kind of see it, actually. I can kind of see it, too. I bet it would be kind of interesting. I mean, kind of maybe this is a missed opportunity. Um, and then Elizabeth Shue. Highly, heavily considered wow. for the role. I could see that as well. But also, she was super young, right? She, yes, because listen to this. She actually wasn't able to do the role because um, she was. She ended up signing on to Disney to do uh, Adventures in Babysitting. See, that would have changed that. That would have made that movie like three times scuzzier if it oh, were Michael, sure. Michael Douglas picking up and young, cheating very, on yes. his wife with baby elizabeth shoe yes yeah no that wouldn't have worked that would have i mean changed it into something else this film is already disgustingly misogynistic (laughs) i mean it's in it's in susan faludi's backlash which got referenced on the last time we talked about it's a it's a gross film in a lot of ways but also i love it a lot so i'm sorry susan faludi like forgive me but this is a really fun film yeah um and then this is the one that you're going to be the most interested in brian de palma was signed on to direct Oh, my God. Yes. And it's actually how the film got greenlit by Paramount. Oh, my God. Paramount could not – the script of this thing, everybody did not – for the reasons we just discussed, probably, in addition to it being just kind of a really eerie and upsetting kind of film, nobody wanted to direct this thing. They got Brian De Palma to sign on, and then with that signature, uh, Paramount greenlit it, but – a couple of the producers on the film went head to head with Brian De Palma because he did not want Michael Douglas cast in the role. Now, I don't know what his problem with Michael Douglas is other than he thought he was the wrong actor for the role. 
I don't yeah, know if they have bad blood somewhere else, but all I could find, and if if I find out more, I'll do a di- little bit of a deeper dig and find see if I can find out more. If I find out more, I'll bring it to us. But uh, yeah, he said no, Michael Douglas. He wouldn't direct with Michael Douglas in that in that lead. And the producers had this allegiance to Michael Douglas because he was one of the few actors and the first actor to kind of step up and say, "I really want to see this get made. I want to I want to star in this role. I want to do this." And uh, Michael Douglas had had some producing experience as yeah, well that they were looking to. So um, they stuck by Michael Douglas aside, thinking that it's, it was a good chance that Paramount would drop the film without Brian De Palma attached, and uh, and they didn't. They it did delay it delayed the uh, and, and by the way, this all happened ten weeks prior to production. Ooh. De Palma dropped out ten weeks prior to pr- prior to production. So obviously this delayed production. But yeah, it got obviously we got the film, it got greenlit. I bet. I mean, obviously De Palma's version would have been way different. Way different. But I bet that they wouldn't have changed the ending. No, I doubt it. But, you know, De Palma has a pretty uh, good 1987. He he makes The Untouchables. The Untouchables yeah, comes fine. out that year. That, De that's Palma's a, fine. It's a great movie. Um, and Adrian Lyne made Fatal Attraction into what it is, which is a uh, hashtag problematic fave. Yeah, um, but also it's a... I, it's not going anywhere, if you know what I mean. A, a Best Picture nominated <laughs> film. Whoa, I did not know that. Yep. Anyway, man, that's weird. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Side Talks. We're your own personal cinematic Michael Douglas and Brian De Palma. <laughs> See what I did there? Oh, I'm De Palma. Uh, okay. Oh, that means yep. I have to be the great American, the great American bird. That's what I call him. Uh, I'm gonna, Ugh. I'm gonna say holy mackerel a lot, like he does in the De Palma documentary. But you know what? The one positive thing is what. I am, I'm married to Catherine Zeta-Jones, the and beautiful, I lovely directed Catherine Zeta-Jones. Carrie and was married but, to Nancy oh. Allen for a lot of really good years until they divorced. Yeah. The bummer for me is I have throat cancer caused by cunnilingus. <laughs> <laughs> God, oh, I was hoping someone would get to that. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> oh, let's get out of here. Thanks to Revelator Coffee, our sponsor. Oh. If you're bold enough, daring enough of an organization to sponsor us after... We say shit like we say. Listen, Michael Douglas said it first. <laughs> That's so you true. You know, we're just quoting I'm him. I'm just quoting him. And his the that those words came out of his cunnilingus-filled throat. You know, we, we need spent- a whole new jar now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't think We've so. We've gone from having just a dick jar to a dick and cunnilingus jar. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Michael Douglas, for your gift to humanity. Um, Thanks to Boutwell Studios. Of course. <laughs> you know, I, I've spent a lot of time on recent podcast episodes talking about how secure I am in my marriage. But do you know where the line is? There's the line. Yeah. I don't understand, yeah, just... like, how he's like, yeah, things are going super well. My marriage to Catherine is secure <laughs> enough so that I can explain to the world how I got cancer, even though nobody questions how anybody gets cancer. Nobody's asking you, Michael Douglas. They'd be like, oh, oh, I'm sorry to hear it, Michael. I'm sorry to hear that you're sick. Uh, There is never a follow-up question, which is, how do you think you got cancer? And so he's like, Oh my God. I think people need to know. Listen, I think I need to offer It's a this. real weird flex. It's I got it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> Listen, I've got a new, maybe the first time this hashtag's ever been used. Hashtag blame it on Conalingus. Oh my God. Let's get out of here. All right. Uh, sidewalkfest.com or at sidewalk film on social media. <laughs> Check out our show times. Come see a movie at the cinema. That's all we got for you today, folks. Girl. Bye. Boutwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.